Hey there, Second City Hockey listeners, it's Dave Melton here, and before we get to the show, I wanted to let you in on a little secret. All of those ads you just heard, if you want to listen to the show without them, visit secondcityhockey.com and sign up for either one of our subscription tiers, where the perks include ad-free versions of the Musings on Madison podcast. And with the first overall selection in the 2023 NHL Draft, the Chicago Blackhawks are very proud to select from the Regina Pats, the Western Hockey League, Connor Welcome in to another episode of the Musings on Madison podcast here on the Second City Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Dave Melton, the site manager. You can find me on Twitter at DMelt57. I've got a full complement of line mates with me this evening once again. And before I bring them all in, we just want to remind everyone the best way you can support this website is by wherever it is that you are listening to it. Leave us a five-star review. Uh, say something nice about us in the comment section. You leave us four stars or fewer, we'll assume you're a Blues fan. SecondCityHockey.com is the website to go to for all our game previews, our game recaps, our game threads, and a whole bunch of other stuff. And with a bye week upcoming for the Hawks uh, and, and a little bit of downtime before and after, for the all-star break we'll have a lot of uh, additional content coming up and a lot of that will be exclusive to our subscribers and if you want to become one of those subscribers you can sign up for five dollars a month at the cory Pro- cory crawford tier or ten dollars a month at the connor Pradar tier which gets you a whole bunch of additional exclusive content and other stuff that we do around these parts um and their merchandise is still up there if you want to go get yourself some second city hockey merchandise as well um and also just you know tell a friend tell a family member uh we know the hawks suck right now but hopefully our stuff sucks slightly less than the team on the ice does at this moment um but with all of that ado out of the way it's time to bring in the rest of the panel for us this evening up first he is on twitter at mill 182 and he is the second city hockey what nicholas Framajou is to m83 it's mill savage wow How's it going? Good. How about yourself? Oh, you know, just enjoying Hawks hockey and don't lie how to thrilling, me. How thrilling it is. Also, I think I got the. I think Anthony Gonzalez is the guy I should have labeled you as, not the name I said, which I probably said wrong because they're French. But there you go. Uh, usually, I'm the guy in the band who kind of shows up, has some coffee, has some food, hangs out. So whatever works. Works for me. I got no complaints. Also with us this evening, she is not on Twitter, but she's at secondcityhockey.com under the name LBR, where she is the Second City Hockey Bull and Wall of Text. It's Betsy. Why is this game on so late? Like, <laughs> my only. So, my only, so, realized, so like, do you know how time zones work, Betsy? I hate it. <laughs> Nobody cares about East Seattle. Uh, yeah, well, I, I mean, the good news is it probably won't be all that competitive, so you can probably go to bed some point during the second period, and you're not going to miss too much. I'm, I'm going to, once we're done with this, I'm going to write the preview for tomorrow, and then I'm talking out, because there's no way I'm staying up for this. <laughs> Watch them, because I'm not watching when. <laughs> yeah. Um, I had, uh, at the start of this week, uh, I, I put a tweet out that said, it was something along the lines of, the Hawks have four games on the West Coast. They're all going to – three are starting at nine. Bedard's on IR. This week's for the real weirdos. And I was genuinely, like, touched by how many people were like, yeah, I'll be watching too. So 
I know, I know we're not alone in that we are watching this and just with a, maybe not as an intentful of an eye as we would watch other editions of the Blackhawks in the past, but uh, we're not, we're not the only four who are still watching this team. I know that much. Yeah. Yeah. But that's, that's, <laughs> that's about how much enthusiasm that should elicit. So there you go. Uh, also with us this evening, he is on Twitter at Eric G E G and he is the second city hockey pizza correspondent, Eric Gagenheimer. I'm not even one of those weirdos this week. That is way too late for me. <laughs> I got kids. I got to get up early. So whether they get shut out by Joey Decord or not, uh, I will not be there to witness it later this evening. You know, if you had said uh, Joey Decord's name to me 24 hours ago, I probably would have said, who the hell is that? But actually pretty good goalie this season. Had, had no the, idea. Cause I played saw in the winter classic, man. Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. Sorry, I missed the Winter Classic. That was a a, a riveting hockey game. I'm sure. I, I think I, I've completely lost any interest in the uh, that event as being like a signature thing. Crystal Huey uh, played in the Winter Classic, so let's not get ahead of ourselves. <laughs> as did Ty Conklin across from him. Okay. Oh God. There you go. That that's that's our reality check. That that'll work for me. But anyway. So everyone's introduced. We're, we're coming to you live during the first period of this riveting Blackhawks Kraken game. Um, we, we might talk about this game if something interesting happens during it. Uh, we're not anticipating that. Um, and I think a lot of the conversations we've had around these parts have been pretty depressing just because the team on the ice is pretty depressing. And without Connor Bedard on it, it's even more depressing. So I, I wanted to find something good and fun and interesting to talk about. And I think that thing is going to be Alex Vlasic because um, I, I like I this is where I don't want to venture towards hyperbole. I I don't like I saw like there was somebody on Twitter calling him like a young Jalmerson. Like, let's not let's not do that yet. Um, let's just I, I feel like if nothing else, Alex Vlasic is a piece who's going to be here for a good while. And I feel like that should be enough for now uh, because there's a lot of other guys um, you know, Lucas Reichel, who's scratched again tonight, who we might get to later, who uh, have not cemented themselves as a piece in the long term. So I'm just I, basically the thing is, I just want to hear everyone say good things about Alex Vlasic because it's somebody who we can say nice things about who isn't Connor Bedard. So, Betsy, I'll let you start with the nice things you want to say about Alex Vlasic. Um, I love him. <laughs> <laughs> OK, there we go. Um, sum it up as. You know, the Blackhawks haven't de- hadn't developed a defenseman since Jalmerson, which is part of, I think, why people are comparing them. Also, because of Vlasic's high EV defense numbers, he's in the 93rd percentile, um, according to like war and stuff like that. So that's pretty neat. Um, and you got to be impressed with that. He's I think the thing that I like about him most is if you look back at when he was drafted, his biggest issue was his skating. He did have a wonky stride and he wasn't the fastest. He wasn't like super slow, but his stride was weird. He worked for years on smoothing that out. And it is a real legitimately like one of his best skill sets is his skating for a guy that big, especially. Yeah, that's he has so many breakaways. How does he keep yeah. getting breakaways? He doesn't score on them, which is fine, but he They're keeps short-handed getting breakaways. breakaways yeah. Too. 
He's he's like uh, he's well above average in zone entries. He's well above average in entries that end in chances per sixty. Uh, all kinds of stuff like like his entry numbers are either really good or like like exceptionally good. So it's like it's a funny thing considering he is considered a very defensive defenseman. He can carry the puck. That's part of why he's so good defensively is he can get the puck out of danger both skating and passing so um his his dz numbers are really good like his retrievals uh successful retrievals exits um blue line defense he's one of the only players that um is like he's really really positive when they try to target him he's really good at flipping it around um so it's He's not the only thing he's not great at is if a player can carry in on him, but he prevents them. He's really good at stopping a pass from going in, that kind of stuff. Or if they dump, he can retrieve really well. But those are things he learns. Um, and the team, as a, in general, doesn't. I don't know why they don't uh, stop carry ins like as a team. They just don't do it, and that's been the case for years. But um, either way. I'm super impressed with his growth and I'm hopeful that we can like, it'll continue and we'll be able to like put the whole, <laughs> we haven't, you know, the Blackhawks haven't done anything since Jalmerson, you know? Yeah. yeah now, we can, we can finally uh, retire that trope because yeah. uh, I'm sick of repeating it as well. And I, I think like the, the overall summary of what you're saying there is I feel like there's the eye test that everybody wants to assign to him is good. And the, the numbers support that eye test as well. So yeah. And it's, go ahead. I, I was going to, I was going to also say that he's one of the most effective on the PK, um, which he came in the, he came in last year and was really good at it. And then this year he has improved upon that. So I don't like, to be that young and to be this for his first full season. And he's essentially playing top line PK, you know, he's on the first unit essentially and putting up those like good enough. Like he's putting, while he's on the ice, they suppress much better. Um, he, he does a lot of, there's a lot less passes that happen and all kinds of stuff like that. Um, so it's, it's all impressive while, when you're watching it, it's really cool when you look at the deep numbers, it all backs that up. So it's, this is a case of where I tested and stats really line up like perfectly. Seattle just scored a goal and guess who wasn't on the ice? Alex Vlasic. Uh, Eric, what about you? What are your thoughts on, uh, on, on the guy we're talking about this evening? I mean, it's first and foremost, I think he's, and we kind of were joking or talking about it before we started recording. I mean, he's been, you know, the, the other big bright spot this season for younger players besides Bedard, like it's really been the two of them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think we're all excited about what Korchinski could do in the future. He's got uh, a long way to go. Vlasic is looking like, you know, he definitely figured some stuff out and he's become a much more finished product. I think Betsy and I were looking at similar stuff. Um, I was looking at Corey Schneider's all three zone stuff. And then the J fresh card that they did off of that. And I mean, just to piggyback off what she was saying, He's playing against really, really difficult competition too. And that's one of the other things that makes all his stats so impressive is it's not, you know, there's nobody else to really like shelter him. It's not like he's on the third pairing. Like he's playing top pairing minutes. He's out there now with Seth Jones back. That's kind of their de facto top pair. Um, But he's playing a lot against really difficult competition. And I mean, I think kind of 
one of his early breakout games um, was the one against the Leafs where he was primarily out against Matthews in the Matthews line. And he really did a good job helping, you know, kind of shut them down and control them a little bit. So we haven't seen, you know, defensemen across the board, the, the Jomerson, but we also, we definitely have not seen any type of real shutdown defensemen in the system, whether they've acquired that player from somewhere else or has been a player that they've homegrown. We haven't seen one of those since Jomerson either. So it's nice and he's really young. It sounds like, you know, everybody's talking that there's an extension coming at some point and it'll be kind of, you know, a little bit bigger, longer than your average bridge deal, maybe. Um, so if you can lock that player up, and I think he still has room to grow, that's one thing that we're still seeing too. So if you can lock mm-hmm. that player up for four or five years for a reasonable cap hit now, like that, you have to be pretty ecstatic about that. And just one thing I want to hone in on before I bring Mill in here is uh, you, you mentioned Korchinski as well. And I, I think uh, the Korchinski may not have quite popped like we might have all been dreaming about the season, but I don't think any of us are discouraged by anything he's done. But Alex Vlasic is 22 years old. He'll be 23 in June. Kevin Korchinski is 19 years old. He'll be 20 in June. So I think you see what two or three years, like in Vlasic had two or three years in college. Then he played the AHL and then he came to the NHL. So he's much more seasoned than Korchinski is. Uh, I I don't, you say that to disparage Korchinski in any way, just that the age gap between the two is noticeable. And that's probably why Vlasic is shining so much brighter than just about any other Hawks D man right now. Well, they're completely different kinds of players, you know, and Korchinski is an offensive defenseman he's so worried about defense right now. Like we haven't really seen much offense from him and we probably won't for, you know, maybe all of a sudden we're going to look up halfway through next season. And then once he feels like his positioning is better and he's sound, that's when I think you'll see him start to take some more chances and be a little bit more aggressive offensively. Like as long as he's hanging in there now and he looks like he belongs, which he has, I think that's all any of us can really expect for him, especially with Bedard out right now at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. No. If you want, oh, if you sorry, look at you if you look at Vlasic at nineteen, he couldn't skate in the NHL. <laughs> That's he just, he, he, Boston. Yeah, his his skating wasn't up to snuff enough to skate in the HL much the NHL. His year, his post draft year to one was really big, but it was year one to year two where he made the biggest drives. He he went to a he uh, changed his skating regiment over the summer and throughout that season he got a new skating coach so all right Mel, i know you're still buzzing after that suzuki uh, main events on aw so please go <laughs> ahead now oh <laughs> uh, yeah exhilarating um i think uh like i agree with everything that everybody else has said i think it's a bummer for him that because his what he's doing is not flashy and doesn't get a lot of excitement, even though he's playing really well. The state of the team is like not allowing him to get a lot of attention from people who don't pay attention to the smaller things. Because like when you're losing games, like either you're getting blown out or it's just two to nothing like the other night, you know, who's looking at the defenseman? Yeah. We're, we're, so looking, that's, at, that's, we're looking at the goose egg on the other side of the scoreboard. Right. So that sucks for him because I think he deserves the credit. Uh, and clearly like, like, he, you know, Betsy was saying he put the work in to get better. Like it doesn't, what, what he got better at, especially with skating, like that doesn't just happen. Like part of it, like, yeah, he, he knows what to expect out there with the game speed and 
the style, but like you have to really put work into that. I think we saw a little bit of that with the Brinkett, like when he went from year one to year two with the skating. So, you know, it's good to see him working on his game, improving, playing really well, but it's going to come in a lot more handy when the team can put uh, goals in the back of the net. Yeah. And I think the the point you made about the, him putting in the work, like that's a very encouraging thing because um, it's one thing to make it to the NHL. It's incredibly difficult. It's another thing to stay in the NHL. And usually to do that, you have to constantly involve, constantly improve. And the fact that he was willing to make to locate a part of his game that was weaker and improve it to get to the NHL. That gives you confidence that if there's other things he needs to work on down the road. He'll improve that as well. And as we're hyping him up, Seattle just scored a goal with him on the ice. Mm. Although, well, I mean, it's, it's a it, shot. It bounced it's a, off Jaden yeah. Schwartz knee and into the goal. Like there's not. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's, if if that's if that's the goal they if that's what it takes to score a goal with Alex Vlasic on the ice we can live with that. Yeah. Also, who else who else was on the ice with him? <laughs> Seth Jones. Which and like I'm talking like, more about the four. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, and then like like speaking of this the Seth Jones thing, like you know as we all are aware, Seth Jones' contract means he's not going anywhere anytime soon. So. If Vlasic and Jones figure something out and they become a, a good combo, like that, that's that's a pairing that could be together for the next several seasons. And so and that's which isn't the worst thing in the world to have uh have that level of consistency while he's um while he's playing. Um and, and like just once that I just wanted to throw out there like um like Betsy talked about all the 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 little things, the the more uh, my, uh macro stats that Alex Vlasic is doing well. And uh, some people may not be as familiar with those. Let me give you a very specific thing that is happening with Alex Vlasic. And again, this just took a bit of a hit. But on this dog shit Blackhawks team at five on five hockey this season, according to natural stat trick, Alex Vlasic has been on the ice for 682 minutes entering this game against Seattle. The Hawks have scored 29 goals. They have given up 21. So the Hawks are a team that are plus eight with Alex Vlasic on the ice. I haven't looked at all the other defensemen. I would be willing to wager heavy sums. He's the only guy on the team that has a positive is on the positive side of that ledger uh, with how bad everything else is going for this team. So all those little things that Vlasic does well are adding up to the Hawks are scoring more than they are allowing when Vlasic is on the ice and considering how bad this team is overall, that's not nothing. Yeah, it's kind of the same thing with like Dickinson, where Dickinson is a plus player somehow, even though he's on this team and he routinely takes the toughest matchups. So, I mean, you're seeing, you could argue that, you know, the two of them, Vlasic and Dickinson, have maybe been the two best players besides Connor Bedard for the Blackhawks this entire season. So, I mean, you're, you're seeing it, yeah, big picture, and you're seeing a little picture too. I, I was hoping that uh, natural statue would load up and give me the numbers while you're still talking. And now they finally have, uh, yeah, Alex Vlasic is the only player in the positive. Well, Jacob Magna is as well, but he's only played a hundred, 154 minutes uh, with the Blackhawks at five on five. So that's not bad. And that's not, this isn't just like a, a straight plus minus stat. Uh, this is just the five on five numbers and natural stat trick. I don't even know what out, what Vlasic's plus minus is. He is a plus six overall. So um, I guess I guess that's that works for this argument, but we won't we won't use it for any other arguments. Otherwise, Betsy's going to yell at us. 
<laughs> I was keeping quiet for. I, I was. I, I thought you were just going to come uh, cut across and just let us all know that we needed to stop even entertaining that number. It's I mean, to be honest, if you're on the Hawks right now and you're in the plus, it's sort of impressive. <laughs> exactly. Just, just for the fact that like they don't have a whole lot of plus. It's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> true. That's the only reason. Like, I wouldn't use it in comparing or anything, but I'm like, oh, hey, like, how many? I mean, how many fucking goals have these guys been on the ice for against? Like, seriously, many. Like, what's the team goal differential? Uh, the team not goal the lowest. Uh, they're a minus. No, that's the Sharks. They're a minus sixty-four as a team this season. Oh yeah, the Christ! Sharks were over ninety the last time I looked. Uh, both, both. I mean, that's awful, but 64 is still bad. Yeah. yeah. Especially like this far into the season. Yeah, the Sharks are at 90. Ugh, they're bad. Well, yeah, but that's like they're like the only team the Hawks can make looks bad, you know? I can't wait till like how much, how explodey would everybody that's non-Hawks fans be that if the Blackhawks won the number of draft pick again for not being the worst team? Um, just, it like lives rent free in my head to be like, wouldn't that be? Wouldn't <laughs> that would be if, saucy if, for if, sure? If Edmonton got four in a row, like, yeah, and they, they weren't the worst team every one of those times. Yeah. It yeah. was like two two of them they were the worst, and two of them they weren't. Yeah, well, they were just like somebody, very self self destructive Edmonton. Somebody just ran the numbers, and the team that ends up. I feel like I saw this a couple of weeks ago and the team that ends up with the worst odds, they really don't win it that often. Like it's, it's pretty rare for them to end up with the number one overall pick more often than not. They don't get it. It's more, it's uh yeah, you're right. It's less common since they started doing the two and the three, like shifting it away from the first um, Edmonton is the reason they changed the rule. They were like, well, and Detroit whining. Yeah. 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 Let's, and then they were like, Oh, let's do three. And then that was, causing it to not the, the worst team was getting knocked to four a lot, the three and four. And so they're like, okay, let's just make it the top two then. And it's still <laughs> not working out great, but I think Buffalo's the only one that won in last place that since they, they switched to two. So sucks to suck, I guess, or <laughs> not suck quite as bad as <laughs> suck a little yeah. bit worse than somebody else. <laughs> Yeah. Well, and they well, famously, yeah, tried to suck and then ended up with Vegas Golden Knights MVP Jack Eichel. Okay. It sucks to suck at sucking. <laughs> um, also, like we should. Uh, I don't know if San Jose plays tonight, but the Sharks are on fire all of a sudden. Maybe the Logan Couture return really uh, turned things around. I believe they've won three in a row now and are tied with the Hawks for the bottom of the NHL standing. So uh, it may not be too long before. Um, I mean, I th- I feel like I'm already scoreboard scoreboard watching a little bit anyway, but um, yeah, they're a little bit lower points percentage wise because oh, okay they they played one more game. So if the Blackhawks lose tonight, they will have the same. They will have different points, and their points per- the Blackhawks should flip them and be well, be so you know. <laughs> well, we're we're off to a roaring start, folks. Uh. Um. Do the Sharks play tonight? They do not. I feel like there's a ton of fucking yeah. why so many games. Yeah. So uh, the other thing, well, uh, so the other big new, well, big depends on how you uh, 
That, that, that word's doing a lot of the heavy lifting here. But the news earlier on Wednesday was the Hawks resigned Peter Morazic to to your contract extension. I believe it was for four and a quarter million annually. Uh, I don't think this came as a surprise. It seemed like after uh, there was some uh, smoke around this fire uh, for a few weeks, especially as the Felino and Dickinson contracts were awarded. And I, the only thought I had related to it was that I think this, I, I don't know who the Hawks are going to trade at the deadline. If anybody, cause I think the three possibly most interesting pieces they had that might've uh, yielded a return worth talking about. Uh, I think all three of those players just got two year contracts. So uh, I, does anybody else have any other burning thoughts about that? Morazic? Yeah. I just, I mean, I w- we talked about it last week. I think I rather would have seen them do a, you know, the Merzlikens thing if they got a couple picks out of it, one from each end. Or you, and you had even mentioned in an earlier episode about, you know, it's really not that hard to go out and find kind of a veteran goalie to come in. Merzlikens mm-hmm. um, has been fine this year. Everybody, you know, or maybe they don't, but <laughs> he was so bad last year. Like, really god awful bad <laughs> so i mean it's it's i guess it's a nice story that it, like he likes jimmy Waite and they get along and they kind of figured something out but mm-hmm. is he's another guy that you know dickinson i think is really the only one of the three that might have any type of future by the time their deal is done so i don't unless they really really like him for some reason um i don't be, like it's not like some huge win or there was no real like significant reason. Like you have to keep this guy around. So I guess it's just kind of like, it's, it's fine. I guess um, I would, I'd still would, I said it in the one, you know, game preview. I still would like to see Soderblom get into the rotation a little bit more. Um, he's not looking great tonight. Although that second goal, there wasn't anything you could do about it, but I, so I guess there's, you know, they're, they're still splitting the crease for the next couple of years and, it's just a longer timeline for Soderblom if that's going to be the case. Um, yeah, Miller, Betsy, did either one of you have any other thoughts on this? Because I, I keep coming back to Eric's fine, I guess, uh, summation, and that's about where I'm at. Yeah, it's fine. Um, <laughs> I will say, Moranic was bad for the last – he was really bad last year, and he was bad with the Leafs. Um, as per tradition. For yeah, I was going to say, like, I feel like maybe he's shaking off the Leafs' curse. Um, <laughs> yeah, we we got the Toronto off of him finally. He's got to yeah. wash off the stinky leaf from. But he's, he's only still got he's only had a like I'm trying I'm looking back when he was with the Wings he had some good years you know like well he had he had a really good year in Carolina and that's why Toronto went out and got him and within a year Toronto's like we got to get this guy out of here. Well, that's because they went off a freaking twelve game sample. Well, like why would <laughs> when he's a anybody can be a system goalie for the Hurricanes, especially a couple of years ago. Like yeah. you could you could put anybody back there. He well he even actually a Zamboni he, driver. He wasn't even the the backup. They were going to split the net, but he got hurt. So it was like you have no idea what he would have done outside those twelve. And the year before, when he was the starter and he played forty games, it was a nine oh five when the save percentage average that year was nine one seven. You know, so like, like right now he's a 907, which seems, oh, well, that's not that different. The average in the NHL has actually dropped since the last time we talked about that. It is 903. Like, goalies are sucking some suck. (laughs) 
this season, and Mrazek is at least above that. Um, <laughs> Goalies are sucking some suck this season. Well, is it that? Is it that, or the offense is just <laughs> getting that much better? Uh, who knows? Like, <laughs> like what is it? The shooting percentage yeah. isn't dramatically up, but the save percentage is dramatically down. So, but that well, could be offset what, by number of shots going up, of course. Um, I think scoring's up too, especially you look at when Jamie Benn won the Ross with like 82 points a couple oh, of years it, ago. It definitely and now, it, yeah. But it, it's been on the rise for, for years before that, um, specifically since Kane had his Art Ross. That was the beginning of the rise. Like he was the first player to hit over 100 points for like several years. And all of a sudden now every player in the world is hitting. There's like five players to 10 players every season now. Um but either way, I just I, he's fine. Uh, I will say that I think there's this like there's going to be this like teetering between wanting to win and wanting to develop um, because Soderblom he did three games in a row where he was good. The team lost, but he put up good numbers. He performed well in those three games, and then Mrazek started for the next like three or five or whatever it was, you know. That's not good for Soderblom. He's never going to, like, that's that's not a good pacing for him. Um, and it was Richardson chasing a win because they were losing so much on the road. And I get that, but it's where it's where we're coming into this whole, like, is Richardson a developmental coach? Like, can he do both? Can he have a team win, but also we have a lot of young players coming in. Can he develop them? Um but I'm not giving him credit for Vlasic or Bedard, who are the only two that are working right now, because Bedard is Bedard, and Vlasic did all of his development pre this season. You know, like Vlasic came in good and hasn't shifted. Um, I have no idea if he is. Uh, Richardson could be great. We just don't have a big enough sample size for that. But I will say that hopefully this doesn't stagnate. Soderbloom, it it could be the perfect like um bubble around him the 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 best bubble wrap to ease him into becoming a starter because he has not been good this year um it does give Camesso who has been injured um and he go he's been having he went up and down and then he was injured so it gives him a bunch of buffer and he's he's really young um so yeah I it's fine it's only two years they have a fuck ton of cap space it's it is what it is that that's the technical term for it—a fuck ton of cap space. Oh yeah, there's nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I might get a million dollars just to get the Hawks near the cap floor. Yeah, they could they could hire all of us for a million dollars to help them. Please do, uh, Mill. Did you have any other thoughts on uh, Morazic before we uh, before we do whatever else we're gonna do this evening? Um, you know, I I feel like he he might fall into the nice guy category. <laughs> I'm not sure. Seems like a nice guy. Um, I don't know. I mean, the problem with like some of these guys that are not good and they underperform on like a solid team is they look really bad, and then they come to a situation like this, and it's like, well, what can you do? So I'm kind of in the meh category. That's that. That's a perfectly fine place to be. Like I, I don't know. Um, I don't think Peter yeah. Morazic's going to be the goalie when this team is good again. But no. uh, if if like if they had to see like. Probably not next season, but the season after that, if the Hawks like, you know, got a few more prospects up, added a a, a weapon or two, 
Like you could see, you could see a situation where Morazic was like at least a replacement level goalie or maybe slightly above and help that team crack into a playoff spot. Yeah. I mean, I think he's like 30, I think he's turning 32. So like goalies can play for a while, but you kind of know what he is by now. And he's either going to start on a bad team or maybe back up on a better team. Yeah. He'll be 32 on Valentine's day this year. Oh, how sweet. Yeah. So there you go. The only other thing that I'll really kind of say in this regard, and it's the same thing a little bit with Dickinson and Felino too, is they're still really bad and they should still very much be in like the, let's just try shit and see what we can find right now type of thing. And maybe Dickinson kind of is that a little bit. Um, but that's the only thing where I don't like some of these moves a little bit is, oh yeah, it's only two years. And yet, but if you're taking opportunities away from trying other goalies or trying other guys, especially if you don't think Soderblom is ready now, which that's what that signing says to me more than anything, like maybe you find the next Joey Decord or maybe you go get the next Connor Ingram or something like that. You know, you're able to give a, a big opportunity to some waiver guy that other teams aren't just going to do that right now. And you're able to develop somebody like that. So I appreciate like the continuity, I guess. And at a certain point, you know, you want to have some of these veterans around to really help some of these younger guys. But I also, I don't want that to prevent them from being able to do things while there's still so many question marks, you know, for the next few years. Uh, I don't have anything else to add to that. So I think that's where we're going to wrap that part of the discussion. Uh, we're going to take a quick timeout. Got a few other Blackhawks things to get into on the other side of this break. And I uh, got a few questions uh, from the SCH commentariat to, to get into on the other side of this timeout. So come on back for all of that. Welcome back to Musings on Madison here on the Second City Hockey Podcast Network. And the only other Blackhawks-related item that I wanted to touch on a little bit today is uh, as they're playing this game against the Kraken, Lucas Reichel is once again not on the ice. I think this is the third game he's been a healthy scratch for this season because it's two in a row now, and there was one last month. Um, And we talked about it uh, at length there, and it doesn't seem like it has improved all that much since then. Um, I, I don't know what else there is to say, or I don't know what else I have to say for uh, right now other than it's a tough season for him, and hopefully something clicks in the final two or three months that gives you the hope he's going to be what you were hoping for out of a number 20 overall pick or whatever number he was in the first round that year. But um, I don't know. It's, what'd you say? 17? That was close. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's, it's just, it's, it's not fun. It's not great. But, uh, I don't know, Betsy, did you have any other thoughts on, uh, on this particular scratching of Lucas Reichel? Um, I have lots of thoughts on Reichel in general, <laughs> Okay, um, but I guess my, my whole thing on Reichel is really just, he hasn't been good. I think everybody can agree with that. Um, he has bright spots, but he just it's not consistent in any way. Um, he's not playing with good players, and lots of there are people that are like, "Well, that's just an excuse." But again, I always look. I always say, "Look at Strom, a perfect example of you put him with fourth liners, he sucks. You put him with quality players, he's great." Some that's just how some players are. Actually, that's like how a majority of players are. But like that's a conversation people don't <laughs> like to have. Um, not everybody's Patrick Kane who can play <laughs> up and down the lineup. It doesn't matter who the the shit heals his on his team, you know. 
Um, not everybody's Crosby, not everybody's McDavid. Um, and just mostly I'm like, just be patient. He's just 21. Age is the main determining factor in development curves. Um, if by 22, 23, he's like, even, it, it, you know, next year, if he's making zero progress, then yeah, maybe it's time to start looking elsewhere. Um, but I just, this is such a write-off season to me. Like, I don't see how you hold it against him too much. Uh, just hope for better next year. It's my whole my whole thing about Reichel at this point. I think where some of the disappointment stems from for me was just at the end of the last month of the prior season when uh, after the Hawks traded everyone away at the deadline, they played so out the last month and Reichel was really good. Um, yeah, and so great. you were, so you were hoping for more of that. And it's just, for whatever reason, it's not here this season. And it's just, uh, it's what, what sucks is like, you know, that that player is in there and they're just, he, it's just, it's, it seems like it's entirely between the ears right now for him. And that is the trickiest thing to fix because there's not really, there's not a textbook for that because every player is different. So I, I don't know, even know how you fix that. Uh, Mill, did you have any thoughts about this uh, this particular round of Lucas Reichel's absence from the lineup? Uh, you know, I mean, you just kind of got to play the waiting game here. He's clearly not been good, but he's he's getting healthy scratch. The team's bad. There's no use to sit around and try to argue about him and his future. Like, like Bessie said, he's 21, you know. We'll see. Put him with some quality players, and you know maybe he's got the yips. You know, it could be a, like a psychology thing. <laughs> I mean, it could it could just be a season long slump. Like that, like that. It, he would not be the first player that has had a very bad season and then comes back the next season and shakes it off. That's that's you know I that's mean, not unheard it's, of. It's happened to very good players. It's happened to very good players. Players better than Reichel has been so far in his career, for sure. Uh, Eric, did you have any thoughts on uh, in this vein? I'll just – I think I'll blame it all on the fact that they tried to make him play center to start the year. And, you know, to, I think the the thing – and we talked about it a little bit before with Korczynski is – and we're seeing it a little bit, you know, with Vlasic too, is when these guys start to turn a corner, it's because it's instinctual and like they have the talent to do this stuff. Like Reichel, you can, he just doesn't, he looks lost. He looks tentative. He looks like he either is pressing too hard or has no idea what to do, where to go with the puck. And like that stretch where we saw him last year come and really start to play well. Like he had a couple games where he was the best player on the ice for either team. And he looked like dangerous, you know, especially that I think it was the Calgary game. He had three points in. he was the best play. He was the best player on the ice. He looked better than everyone else. Calgary included. So just, it hasn't been there, you know, Every once in a while, he'll make a play or a pass or, you know, even his goals. Um, I think the one the against the Avalanche from Bedard, that's his best goal that he's had so far this year. And I think we all kind of hoped like, okay, maybe that'll like get his confidence going a little bit, kind of get him going. But it's just, it's not there. I don't know what else they can do for him to find it. But I mean, you know, they're they're trying the healthy scratch and they're trying to move him around on the lineup, and it might just be a lost season. Maybe in this upcoming uh, All Star week and a half break that they have coming up, they just uh, buy him a ticket back to Germany. Like, dude, just go home for a week, go go get some go get some family time. 
get your mind entirely off of everything that has happened this season and come back to Chicago and maybe uh, salvage the final 30 or so games of the season. But uh, yeah, like that, that, that's uh, it's, it's been rough. I, I don't know what else to say about that. Like, it's just, um, I, I don't, the, the one part of this equation that uh, I think I've seen it, it mentioned in several other corners is that uh, the current regime uh, current general manager did not draft Lucas Reichel. Um, and now, obviously, Davidson was on the staff at the time, but he was not the guy calling the shots. That was a Stan Bowman pick. So it there is a a wonder of how much is the front office dedicated to getting everything they can out of Lucas Reichel. I think that's a fair question to have at this point. Um, and, and I think we're going to find out they may not have as much patience with him as some of their other quote guys that they picked. So uh, not saying they're going to trade him tomorrow, but we'll, we'll see uh, that that just might be an interesting storyline to watch over the summer. If things don't turn around for him in the short term. So we have our game thread up at secondcityhockey.com tonight. And uh, we have, I, I put out a call for some questions and I've got one from the uh, from Jim L23, one of our most frequent participants to the to the website comments and otherwise. So thanks, Jim, for chiming in. This is going to be more of a a prospect themed one to get us going here. Uh, of all the Hawks tier two Ford prospects, i.e., not Bedard, Nazer, and more, who's the most likely to take the next step and become a semi star, like a Sharpie, a good top six four, but not good a regular all star? Maybe none do, maybe a couple do. Just want to hear your thoughts on who's the most likely one and why. So, uh, Mill, you Mill, you want to go first? Nick Foligno. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, um, <laughs> you know, I'm I'm hoping that most of them turn out to be more than that. So I think if a couple guys become something like that, I don't think that's disappointing. Like I'm kind of rephrasing the, the perspective there mm-hmm. because – Getting a Patrick Sharp is not easy. No, even though he's maybe not be a, a you know a Patrick Kane or a Jonathan Taves or a Marion Hossa, etc. That that level of player is still very good. Um, and so it's hard for it's really hard for me to say right now. And I don't like making these predictions because I was pretty excited to see what Reichel would do this year, and he still has time. But like then you look forward to it and you get something like that. So I'm not really sure. Maybe Lucas Reichel, you know. <laughs> Yeah, well, that that's actually not a Rackle wouldn't be a bad pick. Uh, Eric, what about you? Do you have a name for us? Uh, I really like Gavin Hayes a lot. I think that's who I was thinking too. So I'll give a different one. But go ahead. Yeah, no, I mean he just he got traded. He's on the team with his brother, and I was in the Sioux Greyhounds, and he's really kind of popped. Especially he had not the greatest WJC, um, which a lot of that was just the way he was used. But he scored a bunch of goals last year. He seems to be a guy who kind of is a little bit better than he has really good shot, but he's more than just his shot. And he's a little bit of a facilitator too. So he's a guy that you can maybe look at and see him having uh, more of a kind of well-rounded game than maybe he gets credit for. So, I mean, and that to me, especially if you're dropping like Sharpie specifically, that was one thing that kind of sharp was a, you know, he was a complete player, not quite, you know, on the same level as some of the other forwards on that team. Um, but he was kind of an overlooked guy too. And to me, that's, I think Hayes could end up being 
middle six or kind of a third line guy, or, I mean, he, he might, you never know, like he might really get along well with Bedard and he might be a guy that gets some run up there on the top line with him too. But I think he's a guy with a lot of versatility and he's got some really good offensive tools. So he definitely has some upside. I've got a name to say, uh, to throw into this discussion, but I'll let Betsy go first before I pick mine. Can I only pick one? Uh, no, you can pick as many as you like, because uh, the the more the better. Okay, so I was going to say my next tier after um, the top guys are, we've already said Hayes, there's Doc, there's Ludwinski, and then there's Green. Those are the four. They're all similar-ish in age, um, Ludwinski being the youngest, um, and he's, he's doing – he offensively, Lewinsky is doing extremely well in the OHL. He's putting up over a point per game. Um, and everybody says that he's just, he has like these like really great flashes of like skill above what he showed in his draft, which is really fun to watch. Um, I think I, I watch a lot of green because he's in Boston university. I think he's got like a dual threat thing going on. So I'm excited about that. I like players that can play both sides of the ice while not like losing um, like uh, offensive gifts. Like if you dedicate too much, like to your defense, you can lose that other stuff. Doc's season's been cut short because of a concussion right now. Um, But he was throw like, it's sad because he was, he was showing such bright spots with Rockford right after it took him a little, he was at a slow start. And then all of a sudden he was like, one of, if not the best player for like five games in a row. And then, you know, consistently good in the top, whatever, and then concussion. <laughs> so I feel bad about that, but he has a lot of um, power forward attributes that I think is lacking in other forwards in the system. So that's something that can um, raise him above the rest. And we've already talked about Hayes. So those were my. And if my I'm, wasn't the Colton doc concussion, like a sucker punch too? Like it wasn't yeah. something that happened in the full play. I thought someone cold cocked him. Yeah, yeah it was a sucker punch. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so fuck that guy. I don't know. I don't know who who uh, was the one who did the sucker punch. But that's uh, it's not great. But that that's no. also like the risk of leaving prospects in in the AHL is um, obviously like Colton Doc should be there. He needs uh, some seasoning before he gets up to the NHL. But sometimes they run into some uh, career AHLer who's got nothing better to do than uh, take cheap shots of players after the whistle and. Shit like that can happen sometimes. So uh, Doc spends he's been snake bitten too. I mean, their whole family's yeah. Snake well, at yeah, this I know we're we're, Jeez, we're Louise, unfortunately very aware with the uh, the Doc family injury bug. So yeah, um, do we do we have any other Blackhawks thoughts? Like there, uh, I think Joey Anderson scored. I wasn't actually watching because I was busy looking up numbers. Uh, I think Joey Anderson scored. So it's two to one in the first intermission. Oh, now they're showing the highlight. Oh, it was a neat little redirect off what appeared to be a Seth Jones point shot. So uh, I'm assuming Vlasic was on the other side of the ice. So that'll help his uh, that goal differential stat we talked about earlier. Um, but does anybody else have any Blackhawks thoughts? Because I, I got nothing. I have another Ooh. question from Jim that's not well, hockey related why that we can get into. Is Gutman playing tonight? No, no he's he's, uh, he's back. Why is well. he getting cut? Because he he uh he can't he's not play playing def- defense. He can't yeah. play defense. Reichel can't play offense. So they both got sent to the press box. That's what okay. Richardson said. Put him on a trench coat together. <laughs> do do um, the. It's it's two crazy. hockey players in one coat. Got it. Exactly. Problem solved. Exactly. In the AHL, 
Gutman played defense pretty well. Like he wasn't like exceptional at it, but he wasn't bad either. He was average to above average. So I'm like, what are you doing, sir Richardson? That is turning like that. You're not getting that out of him. Are you telling him to focus too much on one end? Like what's happening? Cause I think so, some of that's obviously the player's not doing something, but what is like, I don't understand the coaching staff too. Like, can they actually develop these kids? Like that's my, my concern is starting to rise that can, when they come in, can they do it? Because the Phillips benching, it pisses me off like nothing else. Um, the insistence that they need to Nordy on the ice is like baffling to an absurd degree. So I'm like, please stop that. Um, again, not, <laughs> I'm not, I'm going to, I'm trying to be like, no, no, patient. If I'm going to be patient with the players, I got to be patient with the coach. I just, we have so many kids coming in. So many. Please don't hurt them. I agree with you. No, I absolutely agree with you. And that's, there's some of that in the Reichel stuff too, I think, is that, you know, uh, you can't just sit them all the time. And obviously they can't send them back down to Rockford, but we can get into that stuff later. Dave, who is your prospect? I'm assuming Betsy said it. Well, I was going to say Ryan Green. Um, But the other name I would throw, and we're going to check in on him pretty soon because I haven't done it yet and I haven't looked at his numbers in a while. Uh, But Roman Kantarov was doing quite well in the KHL the last time I looked. So that's another name to keep an eye on. Uh, Well, he re-upped too. Yeah, he's under contract for like four more years, so it's going to be a while, but – by the time he gets here and he's 26 or whatever the fuck. He's going to be the next. Yeah. Well, what is that? Maybe, Powers, maybe Powers, he and that one, that one player, uh, God starts with an S slap. or something. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. That powers was like, no, he'll come over eventually. And everybody just kept, kept mocking him. Oh, shall, you know? Yeah. Oh, Max, Maxim Shalyanov. Ah, yeah, Maxim yep, Shalyanov. Yep. Yeah. God, good times. Um, but yeah, uh, but to to your point, Eric, about the I, that you and Betsy were making about Richardson, like there there's a that that I guess does raise a little concern of um, at some point you want to know that your coach can develop skill and he can nurture young players and help them advance in their careers, and I don't think there's one yet on uh, the Richardson resume that he can claim yet, so. Just, just something to watch again. Like you were saying, like he's, he's in his, he's a rookie or not a rookie. Well, uh, it's his, his first head coaching job in the NHL. So he's not a finished product either. So I think some slack can be cut to him, but, um, they, they're going to need someone who can develop talent or what are we doing here? So, yeah, well, it sounds like he's been working a lot with Korchinski and I mean, Richardson was a defenseman himself, a completely the opposite type of defenseman that we yes. hope Korchinski is going to be, um, which you can tell <laughs> when you look at his chin anytime, but you know, it's, it's hard. And we still don't know kind of what they want him to do with everybody, you know, is Tenorti, is that his decision? Are they trying to get him to play Tenorti a bunch so they can trade him? Like, I don't know. I want Phillips playing every night too, especially over Tenorti, but we don't know, you know, exactly what Kyle's telling him or, you know, kind of what they want them to do this year. It's still, everything is still kind of a question like outside of Bedard. We know it's a couple years, so they. I think they still want them to be as bad as possible to get as good of a pick as possible. So that's part of it too. So we got to give them a little slack, at least in that regard. I don't. I don't. 
I I totally agree with giving him slack, but I don't think Richardson is of the mind that they should be as bad as like I think Davidson is fine with them being bad. I think he's fine with signing to Nordy because he knows the type that's the type of player that Richardson will play and it will be bad for the Blackhawks. So Richard <laughs> or Kyle is like, that's great. Oh, coach you want that guy? He sucks. That's awesome. Yeah, coach <laughs> is happy, GM is happy. But just the way that Richardson talks about Tenorti as if he is good is again baffling. Like well, he like, like did, and he, he Quinville do that too though? Yes, but and we we ragged on Quinville for it. Yeah. Like yeah, he would true. play guys that were not good. Um he was he was so lucky because he had am I lucky? I mean he helped make them who they are. But he had like the big three. Um, and essentially a big four because he had Campbell and Odu, you know, and then Oduya came in. So a big mm-hmm. four that was like preset. And then no matter what people said, Luddy was a good player with the Blackhawks. He had yips because he was young, but he was a good, good bottom. And then people got upset about Roosevelt sometimes. And he, it's not like Roosevelt was exceptional, but he was a fine number six. Um, yeah, he also more, like broke his like ankle in yeah, half. Yeah. So. yeah. I was thinking like, of like the Sean O'Donnells of the world. <laughs> like, oh, he was so old when he got to the Hawks. And, uh, and I believe Rob Scuderi. Speaking oh, of oh, don't bring that Scud up. Missile. Scud <laughs> Missile. Oh, I think so part bad. of it is they're they're defensive defensemen and they have the the soft spot for these yeah. old warrior dinosaur guys. Well, it's, uh, the, except for Christian Ehrhoff for some reason. Well, and Daly like came in and then they traded Daly for Scuderi. <laughs> and he went on and won a fucking cup in a top four role with the Penguins. Like, come on. <laughs> yeah. Like, that was brutal. Like, you just didn't use him. Cor- he wasn't the type of defenseman that you wanted. And so you didn't use him correctly. And you played these other scrubs over him. Like, even Hall of Fame great coaches can make bad decisions, which is why I'm not going to hold this against Richardson. I'm not saying he's in that caliber, but I'm not going to be like, he's a terrible coach because he plays Tenorti. I'm just saying, I do not understand the Tenorti thing at all. Um, and it annoys me that like the typical like uh, media person, you know, some, they're kind of like an echo chamber sometimes for Richardson. They'll, they'll be like, he said this point and then I'm just going to echo it. And there, there's a, there was a lot of stuff like right after Richardson was like, we need him because of his physical presence. And then there were a bunch of articles like, oh, yeah, he hits a lot. And um, here he is blocking. And you're like, he blocks a lot because he's on the ice for like a fuck ton of shots against my dude. Like, <laughs> like, the yeah, because he, he, he blocked the shot after he turned it over in the defensive zone. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, there's a reason he was a journeyman. And he was like as old as he is as a for a hockey player. So, I mean, I just. Again, it wouldn't be an issue like last year. I, I didn't have much as much of a like. It it wasn't as vexing to me because there wasn't there word. weren't young. Yeah, there weren't um, there weren't as many young defensemen that he was taking the spot for. You know, there were some, but they weren't like ones you hope are going to be here. They don't know what they have in Phillips. They should play him more. Also, he was playing better than. To Nordy when they they kept sitting him, he didn't have a, a great game that last game. But um, like that's just you sit them for so long. How do you know that's not why he's having he had that one bad game? You know, like yeah, they got to play like, and that and that was kind of the point that I was making before about Mrazek and Soderblom. Like you can coach for a million years, but it doesn't matter. Like they need 
there needs to be results. They need to get on the ice and they need to play. And the only way that's going to happen is by them playing consistently. And so then you have a a consistent base (laughs) of statistics that you can look at even just to be like, they're good at this or they need to improve at this or whatever. But when you're getting like every fifth game or every eighth start or something like that, you know, I think you're so worried you're going to get the hook the whole time that you're not even really playing all that well. And we saw Philip, some of his best games were when everyone was injured and it's like, okay, you got to go play 20 minutes now. And he was really solid. He was really strong. And I think it's because he knew, okay, they can't take me out of the lineup for the next couple games. I am playing every single game. And I think that has to give you a certain amount of confidence, especially as a young player. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, once again, we got to, uh, as we are gathered to put together this podcast, my thought was, what the fuck are we going to talk about? And then about an hour later, I'm like, oh, we, we talked about some stuff. That was pretty good. Um, so I don't have any other Blackhawks thoughts. Does anybody else have any other Blackhawks thoughts before we get to the final chapter of the evening? Does anyone care that they don't have an all-star representative? Nope. They no, don't okay, have it's because they, they legitimately don't have one. <laughs> yeah, they don't. Have they said that Bedard's not going? But uh, I think they are, they have a replacement for him, and I forget who it was, but it was not a Blackhawk. So the Hawks. Right. I, was just, I was just wondering because there's another. Pl- I can't. It's Jack Hughes. He's hurt right now, and he's going. He's just not going to participate. Uh, I've seen no discussion on whether or not Bedard is going to be there, but he's certainly not playing. So uh, they did name it a replacement, but uh, yeah, whether or not he decides to go hang out or not, I don't know. That is a TBD. I, I hope. Guess. I hope he's like him. He probably would be like. I actually want to go, but like, I can't remember which. I think it was one of the Carolina players. They were like, "Hey, so people are like, maybe you should be the replacement." He was like, "Yeah, no. Um, I have plans. I'm going to like Mexico or somewhere. I'm, you know, yeah. going somewhere funny." <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, where is the all-star game this year? Does anybody know offhand? Toronto. Toronto. Yeah. yeah so. with those Burger King ass jerseys. <laughs> oh, I, yeah. Those jerseys. The, the beaver. Suck. Yeah. The beaver designed. Uh, but yeah, no, uh, I, Oh, I, did he? Is that why they're so bad? Yeah. Look, had, I'm not saying the guy's not talented, but maybe graphic design is not his passion. Graphic I'm design saying. is my passion. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, but yeah, I, if I'm, but if I had Bedard's uh, money, I'm like, uh, nah, man, I'm, I'm going to go somewhere tropical for a week. Cause, uh, it's, it is two it's Wednesday night. I have not seen the sun. I feel like since last Friday and I don't think it's returning till next week. So I'd go somewhere where I could make sure the sun still exists. Oh, the sun is also on vacation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, it, it's been snowing and then raining and then snowing and then raining. Oh, okay. Did anybody see the goal that just happened against the Hawks? I did. Yeah, we mm. we, Seth, we <laughs> put a number on Alex. Blessing, oh, we you know? we yeah we we put the fucking kibosh did, on him all did night. Did we motherfuck him? Yes, yes, yeah, we, we did. did. <laughs> oh my so god. <laughs> That's, well, I mean, that's, that's off of him. Of I hope he doesn't listen to our show. He he almost. I, I guarantee you. He I could. I would bet every penny to my name, which is probably in the red because of student debt. But uh, yeah, you never does. know because people. Hey, some players. Yeah, yeah. Who used to follow us on Calvin Dehan used to follow. Yeah, us. Dehan. I loved him, and yeah. we he's, we said nice things about him. Where, where is he at? He's well. We're big Calvin Dehan. He's in, uh, he's Tampa, in Tampa. Yeah. Because he assisted on Brandon Hagel's empty net goal at the end of the game the other night. Oh, yeah. Hawks, former Hawks. Yeah. All right. Jim L has another question. And I think it's uh, 
we'll uh we'll table the food talks for next week because i think this is a good fun one that's totally not well could be hockey related but uh i and i i do have an answer for this i don't know if any of you saw this because it's in the game thread but what's the craziest slash zaniest thing you've ever done to attend or watch a concert or sporting event like in order to get there or uh, it, I, I think wherever your mind goes first, it can be a, a red eye flight from more his, like his, uh, it can range from the innocuous cut a red eye flight from a work conference to attend a five-year-old seven AM soccer game to selling your bone marrow in order to afford money for a ticket to a once in a lifetime opportunity. Never done any of that. Uh, the only thing that I've, I, when I was 19, I drove to Knoxville by myself and Everybody told me I was crazy because Knoxville is not exactly the safest city. And it was like, I I still had a flip phone, like a slide phone, um, not a, not a sidekick, but like a knockoff. Um, and it died halfway there. And I did have to stop at a gas station. There was like a biker ish bar next to it. Yeah. And uh, it was enough. Like I was like, apparently like, I'm fine. Blah, blah, blah. And then when I got inside, the attendant was like, I'm going to walk you back to your car. Do you need gas? I'm going to stand <laughs> with you and all this other stuff. And I was like, what? I don't understand what's happening. And then when I told other people, they were like, you could have been murdered. And I was like, no, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have been able to go in the bar. I'm 19. Oh, dumb Betsy. Dumb, dumb Betsy. So, but did you die? No, I did, so, I did not. <laughs> so yeah, so what's the problem? I know, right? And I got to see. Um, I went. Yeah, up, yeah what was the occasion that you did all this for? I went up for an Adam Lambert concert. <laughs> oh Jesus! <laughs> Look, I was really into American <laughs> Idol. <laughs> uh, okay. Don't judge me. He fronts Queen. <laughs> Too late. Look, he's amazing with Queen. Don't you cannot judge that. Go 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 watch the or. Er, Go to a Queen concert. It's I've been to three. They're fucking phenomenal. I I I've I've heard good things. So I I will I I don't want to be. I'm just I'm not I'm not driving that much for Adam Lambert. Also, Queen. it was his it was his original music, so it wasn't Queen. But <laughs> uh, I I have a story. Uh, if Eric or Mill, I'll, I'll allow you two to buy some time if you have one to share. Um, I think this was 2015. So. My family, every year we go to a vacation spot in northern Minnesota. It's like two or three hours from the border. And the Friday before the week that we stay up there, one particular – this was 2015. Uh, the U.S. women were playing in the World Cup in Winnipeg, which was about uh, – I think it was like a four-hour drive from where we stay in Minnesota. So we decided – me and a bunch of my siblings decided to drive from here to Winnipeg I think it was supposed to be 18 hours or something like that. Uh, drove through, uh, rotated shifts, drove through the night. We got just north of the Twin Cities, and uh, we were driving my mom's minivan. And the uh, I guess from the car being on for so long, and this car had like 140,000 miles at this point, some of the bolts that hold the lug nuts and the tire in place seared off. And so uh, the the weight of the inside of the tire was the only thing that was holding the tire on. And my brother woke me up at seven in the morning, freaking out because he couldn't move the car. Um, so we had to pull over, get towed. Uh, our parents were coming up later. So they picked up, they were able to pick up the van uh, a day or two later because they were coming up for the vacation. 
And we got a rental car and drove the rest of the way to Winnipeg. And I think we walked in 10 minutes into the game when we were supposed to be there like four or five hours ahead of time. And we went through all of that for a fucking scoreless tie to Sweden. <laughs> and I'm still upset about it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I, so, but I got to go see the United States play in the world cup. So that was, uh, that's probably the, the most elaborate thing I can think of offhand. Eric, um, do you have one or Mill? Have you had one that came to mind? You, you know, I, I go to a lot of shows and stuff and I'm sure that there's some weird travel ones, but something I was thinking about the other day was, uh, I went to see Jimmy world and third eye blind a couple years ago. And the travel was normal, but right before the show started, there was like a lightning warning and they, they kicked everybody out. So everybody's like situated waiting for the bands to start. And I remember them saying, oh, and by the way, nobody could take your drinks with you. So there was like 20,000 people chugging their $20 beers while getting kicked out of uh, Northerly Island only to come back like an hour later. And it was just a really funny like site because <laughs> uh, i remember four of us all got a drink and it was 56 bucks jesus that sounds about right so I, it was just funny seeing all those people like running but chugging like 24 ounce drinks yeah yeah I, I can't think of one thing i would do want to do less than like chugging uh one thing i want to do less while running than chugging a beer that just sounds <laughs> Like a, a it's very Midwest up immediately. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Maybe 15 years ago. Certainly not now. Uh, Eric, did you have a story for us? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's all pretty much shows with me. Nothing too crazy for sports stuff other than just coming back here. I didn't live here at the time, the 2016 world series. Um, so just trying to like guesstimate that with them coming back against the Indians and everything. But when we were in high school, we would do so much dumb stuff. Like for a minute there, there was a bunch of shows up in Elgin um, and they would be like bigger shows. And you could take the Metra out to Elgin to make it in time for the shows. But then the line, that line shut down, like the last train back would be like seven o'clock. So we went to like multiple shows where we're like, okay, we'll just take the train out there. And it's like 45 minutes from the city, 45 minutes or an hour. Um, And then we'll just, we'll hitchhike back. Like somebody has to be coming back to Chicago after that. Like we'll either get close enough to take the L back or like to catch another ride. And we did that like as teenagers, multiple, multiple times, um, which is just so dumb now thinking about it. But at the time you're like, Oh, whatever. And you know, it's, it's not a big deal. And that's the thing. Like every single time we got rides, like we, somebody would get us home, a couple times we got rides from some of the bands because they would usually stay in the city. So they'd give us a ride back. And then you actually be like, end up hanging out with the bands, becoming friends with them a little bit, but yeah, just completely stupid. I mean, it's the naivety of youth. Absolutely. To be like, Oh yeah, there's tons of people there. They're just like us. Somebody will give us a ride home. And then it it worked. I just want to, there's just a wonderful juxtaposition of your story with Betsy's story. I, th- I think they, they I'm really glad we got those in the same uh, span of time. I think that works really well just because they're they're just they, they I think they illustrate the differences of between uh, the differences of being a young boy and a young girl and how you get treated. Like you guys were hitchhikers and, and it sounded like it was fine. Betsy was like 
uh, it sounded like they were like worried that she was going to get killed. <laughs> well, I was with my friend Heather for a majority oh. of these shows. Well, they, and, were they yeah, worried you yeah. were going to kill her? Yeah. Not when she had a guy with her. No, they were, they were probably a lot more afraid of her. She was pretty pretty hardcore back in the day. I mean, these were all punk shows and stuff, you know. And, and everybody kids, was but. wearing girls' jeans. <laughs> Back no, back. that was that was still in like the fat pants days, which oh, I never. Okay. Oh, you I so, never wore. You, so you were in your Jacobs. So you're no, in your Jake. No. I got it. I was even smart enough then to know how ridiculous. The bottom of your pants are frayed and wet all the time, and they I were want, like twice as much money. It just never made know, sense. To me. All of that that is totally back in style now. Uh, yeah, it's, oh, it's it is. Back. It's, it's yeah. terrible. I, it's terrible. I think it's uh, it's funny too because in those kind of shows, like. That's how you like. That's how I started networking. Like when I first started playing music and stuff. Like bands are just like, yeah, let's hang out. Or like, if you get to know them a little bit, and like they just they're cool people. Like usually they'll just down. They're mostly down to earth. If if you want to, here's a counterpoint to my original my first story because that's very American. When I was studying abroad, um, we did. Uh, I was studying abroad in Italy, and we had uh, three day weekends or four day weekends, depending on what holiday Italy had at the time. One of the weekends we went up to Prague and we, a group of four of us got on the wrong train um, because that has to happen. And we were, I had a Ramon shirt on. One of the other guys had, I think a Misfits shirt on. And then somebody else had a Green Day shirt on. So we all looked like we were going, like we looked like everybody else that was on the train, which were kids about our age, college age, ripped jeans, um, band t-shirts, stuff like that. And when we got off, uh, we were very confused about where we were. And somebody who was speaking, you know, they were like, oh, are you lost? And they're like, oh, there's this, it's like a punk, punkish rock thing we're going to. Do you guys just want to come? I still have no idea what the band was called because it was not, it was, it was a Czech band. <laughs> um, it was in a castle venue, like a venue that used to be a castle. Um, that's so fucking cool yeah this is the coolest story you have ever told I really think it might be this is way better than Adam Lambert (laughs) I know (laughs) I I was like Uh, this it was a a cool experience but it wasn't like anything we just got lost and they were like oh okay do you want to come it was very neat because they like bought our tickets which weren't very much um, and then they bought all of our drinks Um, and I was I was the one girl in our group of four. Um, and then when we got back, um, cause we, it was outside of, uh, it was like slightly outside of, uh, Prague. The, everybody else was in our group was like, where did you go? And we were like, uh, uh we like saw a punk rock show in a castle. We got, dr- we got drunk a little bit. I was like, how did we even get on the train? Like, like th- why weren't they checking it? Apparently when there, those trains back then, I guess got overflowed with kids like that. The people who normally come by and check tickets were like, Oh, we're not fucking doing that. That's too much. The, the, we were standing in the aisle cause we didn't, um, it was one of those trains that had like seats, um, like compartments. And so we were standing outside of them. Like, why is this train so full? Where, where are we go? You know, like, did yeah. you, did the train go into Slovakia and did you sit, was the show at the place that is now Marion Hosa's house? <laughs> That's what I need to know. I, we didn't, I don't think we went into another country okay. when we went yeah, through, you probably would have known if you'd been yeah, they, when we went through Vienna or yeah, when we went through Vienna, like the, 
police came and knocked on we were like half asleep because it was four in the morning because we were in a sleeper car and they like banged on the door being like austria police open up passports and i was like are we in a fucking movie like what the hell is going on here <laughs> um i was on the bottom sleeper bunk and my friend michael like rolled off the top and landed he was like landed on my feet that's all that mattered <laughs> Jesus. so yeah all right. Well, uh, I think that's a perfect story to end on. So, so that's what we're going to do. We're going to end it. Right that here. was the only time I've ever heard a story where you can actually be like, yeah, my life was like a movie. <laughs> it was. Yeah, it was very weird. I have a lot of pictures from that. Cause we were collecting, um, toys from what we considered American cereal was one of the things we did while we were traveling. So I have a bunch of, um, the uh, Czech Republic and Austria both had lots of American, uh, cereals. I guess they're, I don't know if they're really American over there, but like, um, Frosted Flakes was really, I have a, they're like these Scooby toys from there. I still have them. Well, I, I, I mean, I, I feel like I, I have more questions, but, uh, maybe we'll <laughs> save it for our next episode. Um, <laughs> uh, that's going to do it for this episode of Musings at Madison here on the Second City Hockey Podcast Network. Thanks to you all for listening to this episode. Thanks to Mill, Betsy, and Eric for hanging out this uh, this evening. Fun time as always. And uh, apologies to Alex Vlasic for completely ruining your night by talking about how good you were because uh, it, all indications from what I'm seeing are it's a rough night for him. So uh, so we're sorry about that. Um, but we'll uh, – uh, I – with the schedule break coming up, we might be taking a week off here and there. Uh, we'll, we'll see how it all goes, but uh, we'll definitely have more episodes throughout the rest of the season. Um, so uh, whenever that next episode is, that's when we'll talk to you.